Hey, this podcast is going to have some dirty words, maybe some mature topics that deal with things that typically only adults talk about. So with that being said, just know your audience ahead of time of who's listening to this and enjoy the show. Hey, I'm Walker Lukens, and you are listening to the second episode of... explain to you what we do here in the song professional so we travel around the country in our little blue camper trailer we we record people telling us stories anonymously we pick our favorite ones and we give them to bands and songwriters who write original songs from your stories then we interview the songwriters and that's what you hear on this podcast i am sitting here with my uh my podcast baby daddy uh bd what's your name hello hello my name is zach catanzaro and Zach, earlier you were telling me that when you were a kid, uh, people were always getting your last name wrong. What uh, was it? There, there was so many, but the one that upset me the most was Costanza. Heyday of 90s Seinfeld era. Costanza, can't stand you. I can't believe I never knew that about you. Another, that another so one much. that always made me angry was Cantazaro, mm-hmm. when like clearly there's no N before the T. That's just not how you read. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, uh, made much ado about how people get my name wrong uh, and I don't want to repeat it lest I start <laughs> the chain again but my name is often mistaken yeah I so say it. <laughs> <laughs> on today's episode we are going to be hearing a brand new song an interview from who Zach we've got holiday sidewinder holiday sidewinder y'all uh, is that a stage name tune in to find out I, so I do fall in love with every song, confessional song. I feel uh, very honored to be a part of mm-hmm. these people's songs. It's, in a it's hard way. not to. They they all become our, our baby in a way, obviously. But this one, man, this one's I, great. <laughs> what do we? What do, what can we say about Holiday? Where's she from? She's from Australia, mm-hmm. um, but she's she's been all over. She's yeah. she's had a long career at this point. She's still pretty young, but yeah, she's, she's been, young. I but mean, she's been she, working since she was 15. Yeah, 16. since she was a teenager. She signed her first record deal, I, I think she says when she was 14. She just put out a full-length record. It's called Forever or Whatever, and it's fantastic. I highly suggest you check it out after you listen to this episode and become obsessed with Another World. Before that, you are going to hear today's confession. It is a uh, it is it is a tale of adventure. It is. Uh, it is definitely the only story I have ever heard that mentions the Civil War, uh, parachutes, and babushkas, and and it makes sense. And it makes sense. <laughs> uh, so without further ado, here is our confession. Confession. Hello. Hello. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Uh, I am doing all right. Imagine you're just talking to strangers' ear off at the bar. I'm just going to try to let you go. Okay. I might interrupt you if trying to get us back in course. I'll probably ask you some questions at the end, but just start whenever and... Well, the reason I can't run is because I tried to get over my fear of heights by jumping out of an airplane. And it's dumber than I made it sound. So you can't run? I can't run. Wow. Okay. Can't run a step. Okay, so you can't run because you uh, you jumped you tr- jumped out of an airplane. Yeah. Okay. So back when I was young, I was a journalist in Moscow, and some people 
had this charity idea where they wanted to have foreigners pay to jump out of an airplane to raise money for the children of Chernobyl. And later I found out that saying something was for the children of Chernobyl was a way to rip off Westerners for money, but at the time I didn't mind. I thought it'd be a, f a fun way to cover the story by jumping out of the airplane with them. And who were you writing for? Uh, a tabloid called the Moscow Guardian. Okay. I hope it doesn't exist anymore. So, so you're you're writing for this tabloid, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna do this. Yeah. You're gonna kill two birds with one stone. You're gonna get over my fear of heights and cover the story. Okay. Uh, I, I don't think I accomplished either. That's hardly the worst part of the story. I figured what 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 harm could come of it. That is the lesson I actually learned. That's the one question I answered. So the training was not exactly rigorous. We jumped off a picnic table to simulate parachuting. And uh, I don't remember the part of the training where they told me to pull down on the straps to slow down. It might have happened. It might not have happened. But in any case, before too long, I found myself in an airplane we we're all jumping out of it one at a time it wasn't a tandem jump where you're hanging onto some trained person it was you step out and the chute opens and it's a circle it's a it's a round chute so you're it's a military style you're supposed to hit the ground quickly you know so you don't get shot it wasn't square so you can manipulate it easy it was just you step out into the void it was like the first time you jump into the deep end of a swimming pool, except there's no bottom to it. You just keep going down, and there's nothing but the deep end of the swimming pool all around you. And very quickly I realized I did not like this at all. All I wanted to do was be on the ground. I just wanted to be where things were solid. The firmer the terror, the better. And it was, it was horrible. And it just didn't stop. Which is only just a minor part of this i did you know looking back that's just something i felt for a little while until i hit the ground which is when my right ankle shattered in three places um yeah i hit the ground at full speed and i yelled and so i'm laying there in this flight suit in the middle of the countryside in moscow i mean outside of moscow it's a, in the like there are little dodges all around and i'm yelling and no one's coming to get me so some people start coming out from the dachas and this old babushka comes out and she's got ice chips and wild strawberries and she's taking care of me. I've got this great picture. I had this camera in my flight suit and I had someone take a picture of me and I'm laying there in this field with this the parachute strung out behind me and there's a dude in the background with his hands on his hips and Superman pose with this turquoise speedo. It's the funniest damn picture in the entire world. It's very Russia. He's just standing there in his speedo in the middle of the country. No water around at all. Why is that very Russian? There's nowhere to swim, but some dude just walking around in a Speedo. This is the most homophobic country in the world, and they all act... I mean, these people think that Freddie Mercury is the height of masculinity. Got it. I got it. They just don't get how sublimated they are. Anyway, that's that's a side note. Mm -hmm. And this nice old lady in a babushka is giving me strawberries. 45 minutes later, they come and get me, the people who organize me, and they say, yeah, we heard you yelling. It takes them a long time to get me to the Kremlin Orthopedic Hospital. Best orthopedic hospital in 11 time zones. I figure, what could go wrong? Which is, at this point, the second time I've asked this question. Still not accepting the answer. 
and they set my leg as best they can because you know it's been several hours by now. A uh, day later, it's very clear that they haven't set the leg right, and uh, I get my first shot of morphine to get me through the night, and that was nice. Next day, they're going to reset my leg, so they knock me out. I'm on the on the table, and I see this kind of gauzy yellow light over me, and I hear someone yelling. And then the light gets very wider and clearer, and I realize I'm the one yelling. And I look up at the anesthesiologist, and he's got this unibrow. And this is really hard to say when you're in Russian when you're screaming. And I say, could you give me something? It really hurts. And he looks at me. Very clearly he says, be quiet, it's almost over. Given no other option. That's I, I at least endured it to the end. I'm not sure if I was quiet uh, because when the one of the they were putting my cast on, one of the nurses said, "Yeah, you were really making a lot of noise." Which at this point is the second time I've heard that. I finally, you know, heal enough, you know, go back to the states to have the cast taken off. It, it, how long were you in the hospital? About a week. Okay, so you're in the hospital for a week, and then the rest of the healing was in Moscow. You know, Moscow. just kind of walking around Moscow. And, and you know, and they never sent me a bill. Never got a bill. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So you get what you pay for. So I go back to Portland in this really great hospital, OHSU, and they take the cast off. And they say, and they done, they did x-rays before they took the cast off, and they said, in the States, we would have put a plate in and two screws but because, you know, you're not a professional athlete or anything, no insurance company will pay to fix this. So, you know, now I've got no cartilage in there and the bones are in the wrong place, but I can walk. But they start bringing medical students by. And I'm like, well, what's the big deal? Like, you can't see any of, the, any of that from the outside. And they say, no, no, you don't understand. We haven't seen a cast like this in the, in the States since the Civil War. Wow. So that's how I ended up with an ankle where I can't run. You you see this, you you learn about this charity. This it, it was a fundraiser. It, that's what they said. We have no idea or evidence that they ever gave any money to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a, actually the funny thing is it was a windy day. They shouldn't have actually had a parachute jump. Someone landed on a a little dacha and someone landed on a cow. Comparatively, I was lucky. I just landed on the planet. So. How did it make money? That's the part I don't understand. Well, everyone had to pay like 20 bucks to do it. Okay, so everybody who jumped out of the plane yeah. was the ones contributing the money that would go to the charity. Right. And back then, 20 bucks was like, you know, a big deal in Moscow. Okay, that's that's that was the context I needed. And so how long did you live in Russia? Two years. And aside from this terrible experience... Uh, did you, what was your experience like in Moscow? It was crazy. Every day you would get up and not know what the, you never could rely on expectations there. Something weird would always happen. Like one day I saw Boris Yeltsin walk out of a McDonald's and it wasn't that weird. And so how many people jumped out of the plane that day? Oh, I think there were like a couple planes and each one had about 20 people in. Man, that, that is that is very wild. It, it just sounds like the Wild West. Oh yeah, it really was. There were, you could get out of anything for about five dollars. Cost twenty dollars to really fuck up your life. 
So you get home, and did you go back? Oh, yeah, yeah. So you went back, and how long were you in the States before you went back? Oh, less than a month. Less than a month. Man, that's... Yeah, it was just so exciting. Like, you, most of my friends were bartenders. I was an editor. You know, it, it, it was... I was avoiding an entire recession in the States by taking advantage of some other empire's collapse. Only cost me one right angle. Production. <laughs> <coughs> oh yeah, baby, here we are. We are back. Okay. Pina coladas in hand. Hi, this is Jim Eno, aka Jim Eno Acid, aka three quarters of Jim because I'm sick. Uh, Jim, how did you get that nickname, Jim Eno Acid? We were touring with Guided by Voices, and I was hanging out with Bob Pollard, and he said, "I'm really good at giving people nicknames." And I said, oh, yeah, give me one right now. He waited a couple of minutes, and he said, Jim Eno Acid. That oh, is a great nickname. It you, is really good. Do you think he knows that, that it's your Twitter and Instagram handle? I don't think so. I don't think he does either. Uh, yeah, no, no way. So tell me about the day you recorded this song with Holiday Sidewinder. It was South by Southwest 2019. And she comes into the studio, and, and what happens? She comes in. We listen to the confession, and she says... Let's make it cold. Let's make it metallic. Let's distort everything. I think you guys succeeded. Agreed. Mm-hmm. And so, so she plays every instrument on this on this track. She plays everything except the acoustic drums at the end, which which you play. I played with a lot of arm twisting. Well, without further ado, here's the world premiere of Another World by Holiday Sidewinder.
really crushing those drums at the end there, Jim. Yeah, that is our very own Jim Eno on the uh, the acoustic drum kit at the end. Uh, all the other instruments and vocals are by Holiday herself, and she wrote the song. It was also produced, mixed, and engineered by Jim Eno, uh, with assistant engineering by Grant Epley, and mastered by Chris Longwood. What is it about that song that feels so Soviet? It's, it's, I think there's a lot going on there. It's got the industrial grind, that true. metallic percussive repetition. That is true. I, it, I see like, yeah. I, I see soldiers marching down a street, full uniform, knees up, like to every single beat of that pumping rhythm. Yeah. And if it's repetitive, mm-hmm. that pumping rhythm, it does feel really marchy. And, and it feels like there's a lot of metal involved, but yeah, not, not metal, not like metal music metal, but actual steel. True. Uh, yeah. That's all there. It's weird though because there's absolutely nothing about that uh, the the chords or the yeah. scales or the words or anything that is Eastern or Slavic. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder if we're racists. Well, if it's towards oppressive white men, I'm fine with it. Okay, that's fine. We can we we can be okay with that. <laughs> I don't it's know. Also, her her like angelic vocals on top of this grindy metal industrial feel. Um, there's like a hope to it. Yeah. And then that drum solo breaks in and it feels like a revolution. It's like the USSR is crumbling. It it has this dreamy quality, that song, mm-hmm. that is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Because it's not dreamy like a lullaby where you want to go to sleep. It just feels like another world. <laughs> Get him on potato! <laughs> Give him five after Johnny. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Cool. Interview. 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 So, who am I speaking with? Holiday Sidewinder. Holiday Sidewinder. Uh, may I ask you where your name comes from? Do you know? It, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's lengthy. Okay. Uh, the first name is from. The Truman Capote book of breakfast at Tiffany's. On her suitcase and her mailbox, it says Miss Holiday go lightly traveling instead of Holly. Uh, so that was where that name came from. And I suspect the Madonna song too. But uh, then Sidewinder is my middle name. Uh, it came from a woman who was a socialite in New York in the 80s and a kind of eccentric uh, character. She was the first woman in Australia to die of AIDS and uh, my mother was looking after her while she was dying and no one no one would come to their house or look after her or everyone was scared that they were going to catch AIDS but my mom was there being vomited on and stuff and she was this really quite fabulous woman and so I was named after her. Wow. Yeah. That's like a beautiful tribute to uh, yeah. to her yeah and her wow. husband was a music manager he looked after the divinals and he also was in a band with bon scott called the the valentines <laughs> pre-acdc's mm-hmm. the valentine wow. so he was really stoked that i decided to use sidewinder as my stage name instead of my surname mm-hmm. yeah Oh, that's a great name. Yeah. You have a great name and you have a great story behind your name. I just like that it lights, especially lights people's faces up, um, my name, because it makes, it reminds them that like cognitive 
Yeah. You know. Yeah, totally. Association is like they imagine themselves on the beach or something instantly. Yeah. But uh, especially at like immigration or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the DMV. It's nice because they they're really grumpy and like I'm yeah. just like the third person that's doing this boring paperwork, whatever, and they look up and they read my name and it's like a little shock that yeah. takes them out of their uh, yeah their moment their moment for a minute and yeah. like I get smiles and I don't have too many issues. It also sounds like uh, based on what you just told me that you have a lot of uh, like good juju as far as being a musician with your name. I mean, you said a part of it is, might be named after the Madonna song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you grow up around a lot of musical people? Yeah, mostly, well, my mother, my uncle, and my grandfather are all musicians and songwriters. Yeah. Uh, uh, but the rest of them are all film industry, like costume, my dad's set construction guy, mm-hmm. and uh, actors, and so, yeah. Yeah. Definitely a showbiz family. My mom didn't give me much choice with this name. <laughs> She's like, you must be an entertainer. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> well. Uh, also, uh, we were reading up on you, and you've been making music for a long time. Mm-hmm. What was the name of your your high school project? Bridezilla. Yeah, mm. so you've been doing it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Have you always recorded, like, produced your own music? No. Um, I was fourteen when I signed my first record deal, and the other girls in my band were that age as well and we worked with a producer there mm-hmm. I've always worked with male producers up until recently I worked with my first female producer yeah last week which was amazing how was the experience different um, if you can even say or uh, yeah I mean it is different I think there's a kind of freedom involved lyrically mm-hmm. especially for me uh, but I will say working with Jim was quite unique too for me in the sense that I've I've been I lived in London for seven years writing with uh, male pop writers and producers and I always end up being the top line writer which is you know the melodies and the lyrics mm-hmm. even though I'm a musician and I I can play everything yeah. um, and usually the producer or the other writer in the room ends up kind of taking over the musical. Uh, you know, background part of it. Mm-hmm. But Jim was just like, oh, you play everything. Yeah. And gave me complete freedom. It's the first time I've played all of the instruments by the drums yeah. on a track uh, since cool. I can remember. Yeah. Actually, maybe ever. Yeah, that's not that's not really his uh, his style. I think he I think he feels more confident, like letting the musician sort of guide that and him yeah. like just trimming the edges, you know? It's oh, like, it was really refreshing. He didn't even want to play on it. I was like, but you're a great drummer. Yeah. Like, I want you... He's like, no, I'm not. And I was like, well, I need you to do a crazy drum solo at the end, okay? Yeah. And he was like, okay, fine. And um, But other than that, I, yeah, it was a unique experience for me because no one has ever let me do that before. Wow. <laughs> I've been teasing him about the track because when the like acoustic drums come in and they sound amazing, but that's the most drum fills I've ever heard him do. Like if you take all of uh-huh. Spoon uh-huh. and at all the drum fills, it, he does more in that song. Like it's so cool. It's such a like, it <laughs> well, adds so much energy to I it. I asked him too. I said, I, can't, I just want you to do tons of fills. And he's like, have you ever listened to my records? And I was like, honestly, no. And he was like, I don't, 
I don't drum like that. And I was like, well, you must be good. So just go for it. <laughs> yeah. the, one of the things I love about the song is uh, there's the, the tonic. Well, I don't want to get too music-y for non-musicians here, but there's the pedal tone. And the melody changes for the verse and the chorus, but it stays the same pulse. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it gives the track such a... An, the, it, it really serves the lyrics, you know? Thanks. I mean, uh, we were trying to make it... I definitely was inspired by suicide. Cool. Kind of the... we, But we had the Lynn drum out, which is, you know, Prince's favorite. We were kind of fucking with it with, you know, distortions and stuff just to make it sound even weirder but i guess you know it's like in another world and also we had that kind of soviet thing yeah in the back front lines like the marching pace and yeah. like this eerie kind of i don't know i was trying to get the feeling of like soviet era russia for some reason in the song i was imagining those old communist posters and like yeah I, I definitely can't put my finger on how, what that is, but I think you accomplished it. Thank you. It has this like very kind of foreboding, like the state is watching me. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'm uh, not like, I'm not technically an amazing musician. I'm more of a like feels kind of musician. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tend to do more like minimalist and progressive. And I definitely like that style of like built just building energy and dynamic in a track rather than having to change around the chords too much yeah. or anything so in your own words what is this song about i tried to stay very true to the confession yeah i was literally trying to create kind of imagery of his confession it's mm-hmm. um uh i set out to conquer some great fear of flying high yeah uh you know, children of Chernobyl needed money, so they lied. Yeah. So, which was the, you like, know. Direct quote. Direct quote. Yeah. I was just, I basically listened to that recording and wrote down a bunch of the words mm-hmm. from that that grabbed me or that I thought were colorful. Yeah. Um, the babushka, the wild strawberries, mm-hmm. um, in a field upside down, yeah. uh, the gauzy yellow light in the hospital, and I put that in. Yeah, um, that's a hard word to sing. Fuzzy <laughs> yellow light. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I thought the most interesting thing about that confession was not that he couldn't run or walk again. I was like, yeah, whatever. But yeah. Uh, just this kind of odd world that he had lived in. That mm-hmm. I love that when he went to the hospital, they hadn't seen. A splint like that since, yeah, since the, Civil the Civil War. War. Yeah, when he when he, when he was back in the U.S. and he yeah. went and they were he was he was like, why are all these medical students in here? And they're like, oh, we haven't seen a splint like that. Yet. Yeah, and I love wow. thinking of him in this like alternate universe, mm-hmm. but in the current day. Yeah. In a kind of terrifying uh, hospital, yeah. I think it's crazy that he went skydiving. Yeah, in with Russia. like scammers. It's, uh, it's wild. It That's wild. the wild thing. It's it's interesting, you know, like the way he framed the story was, it's kind of like, this is why I can't walk. Mm-hmm. And then I think what's, like you said, like what's compelling about it is just the weirdo world that he paints where he's getting scammed uh-huh. to jump out of a plane. And they're practicing yeah. jumping off picnic tables, yeah. which I put in in a lyric as yeah. well. Like that's, that's nuts. 
the haunting thing, the thing that stuck with me the most is just waking up in the hospital, realizing you're the one who's been screaming and someone refusing to give you medicine and being like, it's almost done, mm-hmm. which is like kind of a maternal statement, you know, like hush, like we're almost there. It's terrifying. And it's absolutely terrifying. And I guess I wanted, I wanted to 100% capture the kind of yeah. um, dissociative aspect of that yeah. he's kind of out of it and one more shot of morphine to get me through the night yeah so you, you spoke about this <clears throat> you spoke about suicide being a reference for you like were there any other bands or, or artists you were thinking of or songs uh i guess we did reference new order with those drum that yeah. drum entry uh and i do con- tend to reference them a lot for drum parts uh in my music yeah i really love that sound and the energy of something like bizarre love triangle yeah you know Uh, yeah it's so frenetic yeah like the i i i do pop music now but like post-punk was my realm for a long time Mm -hmm. or just what i really love mostly for the attitude not necessarily the sound but Mm -hmm. like the the energy which is um you know don't give a fuck yeah and like danger or like precipice being on the edge or, yeah uh yeah I, there was i would say you know uh, from what i've listened to of your other music compared to this track this track has like a lot of rough edges like i hear the postpunk thing a lot yeah you're describing um it's cool I, I had this weird kind of vision the other day of this being part of your live set <laughs> just like what would it be like i just bring know? out a lindrum yeah. and some synths yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it was cool for me because I used to write music like this that was a lot more alternative mm-hmm. and uh, freeform. Yeah. Like there's no, although I just can't help myself now, I did inject a kind of chorus into it. Yeah. But I used to not write in structures at all. And that was the other thing with this is I don't usually write stories based on other people mm-hmm. or um, fictional stuff either. So I was glad it wasn't fictional, but yeah. I find it really difficult to write if I'm not just writing very honestly about my own yeah. life. Um, it feels phony or something if I don't. So yeah, yeah. I, I tend to do, you know, with a dose of like fantasy and creative license, a, mm. a version on something that is going on in my life. When you tour, do you tour by yourself? Uh, I have. I did one tour of the UK and Europe by myself, which was. It was maybe the hardest thing I've ever had to do because I was performing in front of thousands of people in opera houses and things Mm -hmm. uh, completely by myself with backing tracks wearing a fucking stupid outfit. And uh, (laughs) it was just like not well thought out. I was tripping and it was was just really difficult. And the audience was seated Uh and often with their children, like a middle-aged kind of conservative crowd with their children. And my material is not conservative at all and neither is my stage presence and um i just thought well if i can do this then i can do anything so it it was a really great experience it's like it was like jumping off a cliff Mm -hmm. a little bit yeah (laughs) well that brings me to my my next kind of last question about the story is like the guy was trying to do something to like challenge himself Uh uh-huh you know it's like why he's like i'm scared of heights i'm gonna jump out of a plane so you, you toured alone is there anything else you've, you've done like that recently? Like you, you, you're do, just doing it to confront a fear? I do things fear. like that all the time. Yeah. That's like the story of my life. Yeah. 
It's like leave no stone unturned. So you, you're kind of a thrill seeker then in that way. Yeah, but I would never jump out of a plane. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Jumping out of a plane does seem way more terrifying to me than like having to just like deal with a person. I hate roll like roller coasters. Any physical risks mm-hmm. I'd like that. I know, but I I I mean I I haven't had a fixed address for over three years. And uh I don't have bills, I don't have um things. I have one suitcase that I've lived out of three mm-hmm. years, so I guess I do live on the edge. Tim. I mean, it's got a time limit, I'm sure. This is gonna have to end soon. Yeah. But yeah, I I related to the guy, uh in that sense of just like wanting to get out and like I, I need perpetual motion. Holiday Sidewinder Carmen Sparks. What an amazing name. It is a phenomenal name. And uh, I did say this in the interview, but it almost feels prophetic. It, it does. To have it, a name like that. It, it also seems like with a lot of creatives, especially, certain parents seem to name their children with high hopes. Uh, my name is Walker. My parents are not from Texas. Mm-hmm. I was born before that fucking show, just to clear up the record. Um, there was, I've never, there's never been a reason. Mm-hmm. There's no deep meaning. They just liked the name. It's which, just, but it's very unique. I've, I've, you're actually the second walker I've known. Did I, have I ever told you that? Didn't the other walker die? Sadly, yes. Oh, that's In so a very sad. sad way. He was a wonderful, wonderful human. Yeah, that's very sad. Yeah. I've only known two other walkers. One was a woman. Well, I guess when I knew her, we were six, so she was a girl. <laughs> I hope she didn't die. I hope she's a woman now. And uh, and the other walker... It's got really morbid. <laughs> How does this get so morbid? killing all the walkers. God. It's like a Highlander. There's only yeah. one! <laughs> Take them all, eat them, consume their powers. There is one other individual in the world, as far as I know, with my exact name. And... He hates me, <laughs> and I think I get it because I'm you older stole than him. All the socials. It, well, and when you grow up with a name that's kind of unique, I actually hated my name as a kid. I hated my name because it rhymed. It mm. was weird. I just desperately wanted to be named Walter. Yeah, because it just made some more sense. It to just everybody. made more it's sense. Like, and, that's what they were calling you anyway. And they at least it wouldn't be wrong. Well, no, they were calling me Walker Talker. Walker, Walker Talker. Stalker. <laughs> The smart kids, Walker Stalker, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. But then, so yeah, but as I got older, I really learned to like my name. So I'm sure this kid, he went through all the bad. And then as he got mm-hmm. older, all the social media and internet's there and you have this bigger sense of what your community and the world is. And then he Googles it and there's some goofy ginger who's taking all the socials <laughs> and messing up his, messing up his tags on Google. Sorry, other Walker Lukens. There's something about this this confession that it, even though he breaks his leg, even though he's maimed for, for the rest of his life, it, it, there's this warm feeling in the bottom of my stomach. 
then it just makes me think about the crazy adventures I went on after college mm -hmm. and how that just that sense of possibility and taking life by the reins. He also doesn't seem like he's super upset about it. The way he tells the story is with like, it was still like I had this experience. I don't regret yeah. it. Yeah. He does seem to revel in enjoying a little bit revel in telling the story. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's definitely like a, a sense of pride of going through that experience in his life. Obviously it's made him who he is and he doesn't, he doesn't want to take that back. Did, uh, did you travel after college? Kind of, actually. I am a very weird case that just decided to take a break uh, right before my last semester. I was about to graduate. I had 15 hours left and was like, I'm going to go live in Africa for four and a half months. We were um, studying uh, neo-traditional Western African music and hand drumming, recording an EP for a local neo-traditional group and um, an EP of our own and just kind of being fully immersed in the culture. It was incredible. Wow. And, and so you did that right before you finished school? Yeah, so I, I went back and finished up in the summer. Like, I had 15 hours and promised my mom I wouldn't live in Africa forever. <laughs> she was really scared about that. Yeah. But, uh, no, those adventures are precious. And, and you can kind of tell when he's talking that, that as you said, he it's not just a painful experience. No, no, definitely yeah. not. Even Even though it had this moment of pain and fear it that it doesn't seem like that's why he even remembers it mm -hmm. it, it seems like he remembers it because it was formative and he knows it's a good story and he knows it's a good story and when you <laughs> and 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 having had to listen to this confession many times uh, in the process of making this podcast there are so many great phrases mm -hmm. uh turns of phrases that he uses and uh and holiday uses them in her song mm -hmm. and you, you can understand why because he is has a way with words yeah and, sh and she did an incredible job of picking up on on those little details that really aren't necessarily 100 percent part of the bigger story mm -hmm. um yeah the theme song was written by me walker lukens it was performed by zach catanzaro uh james wesley essery and myself, it was engineered and mixed by Grant Epley at Public Hi-Fi. The Song Confessional Podcast is produced by KUTX, myself, Zach Catanzaro, Walker Lukens, Aaron Blackerby, Ryland Kettery, Jim Eno, and Mike Lee. If you enjoy the podcast, I highly recommend that you follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Song Confessional, and that you sign up for our mailing list at our website, www.songconfessional.com.